DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go through uh, results DB. We look at yesterday's slate, what happened yesterday. We take a little bit of look at today's slate. I think there's some weather concerns today. And, uh, and talk about DFS strategy with your questions in the YouTube chat. You, you ask it, I answer it. Okay? And I see you guys in there. Suki Singh, always, he's always the earliest one. Always, always comes in eight minutes, 10 minutes early. Always hanging around. Daniel Hutchins, uh, Frederick Dude, Doug Montgomery, Eric Hiltpold, Julian Wilson, Hog Lawrence, Michael Dampier, Eric Hiltpold again, Jerome Lewis, Strip Chambers, Brian C, Rob F, David Martin. Where's real life picture? Where did that go? Where's Superman? Where we got actual people with real names in the chat for once. Not real life picture. I'm real life picture. Superman, right? Superman ain't here. But hit that thumbs up button on your way in the door. Give me those thumb, thummy thumbs. Still only got water. No apple juice. Getting some apple juice for vacation. That's a programming note. Just a programming note. There's no show tomorrow. There's no show tomorrow. And there's no show Monday through Thursday of, le- of next week. So during the entire All-Star break, Friday, so I'll be back next Friday. Next Friday. So if you show up tomorrow, I won't be here. There'll be nothing here. You can feel free to hang out on the Roto Grinders YouTube channel if you want. Just to stare at stare at the channel page and whatever. Then talk to yourself if you want. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there won't be a show. Next Friday, when the, the slate that's coming back on that Friday, we'll we'll be back. So I'm gonna be going on vacation. So a good time to go. What else is going on? There's nothing going on. There's nothing going on at all. Uh, let's see what happened yesterday, 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 yesterday. Uh, the good pictures that the what's the point of pitching anymore? Why, why would we just get rid of pitching, right? Oh, it's predictable. Ah, it used to be, maybe it used to be. Uh, Chris Paddock, negative. If you played Wheeler and Paddock, you got negative points total. You got negative, and yeah, I, I think I had some of those lineups. I think I had some Wheeler Paddock lineups. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I also I also played uh, stacks against Paddock, so I I played some Washington, so I was fine. Uh, but I mean I yeah I mean Wheeler was the highest projected pitcher, and it's not it's not like like people saw that coming. I mean he he had gave up he had three unearned runs in the first inning, so that kind of saved him a bit. Then he got a bunch of strikeouts, and then uh, then he left some guys on base, and he gave up like six runs or something. So uh, that wasn't good. But I mean, most of the field, I mean, yes, yes. I see, I see Nerdy Tenor, who's in the chat. Had less Wheeler, made less Wheeler lineups. But for the most part, I mean, it's not like people avoided, it's not like sharp players avoided Wheeler, right? Alex Wood was was owned also. He was the second highest owned. I understand going under on him. See, like I I, I ended up about with the field, but uh, no, a little bit, a little bit under. Uh, I played more, more Cardinals against Wood. I didn't play any Cubs against Wheeler. Like, because that's what I do. I, I played 150 lineups in the swing for the fences, you can see here. But a lot of times I do, I, I try to play stacks against chalk SP2s. So Wood being 35% down, I get more value out of a Cardinals stack. Now, obviously that didn't work out, but it's not like I had a ton of Cardinals, but I could still play Wood in 26% of my lineups and still play Cardinals stacks in 10% of my lineups as well. Right, I played the Yankees against Kikuchi. I didn't know Kikuchi was going to be disowned. Sixteen percent. I was fine with the Yankees regardless. I mean, for the most, I mean, I had zero. I didn't play Kikuchi at all. 
You see Gar- Garcia. Most of the most of the sharp players were on par or a little bit over. Ryu, I was over on. Senzatella, I played a bunch of. Right, thirteen percent. That wasn't unheard of. And Robert Stock, right, pitch for the Mets, eleven points for four K. I mean, he's a four K pitcher. And he was he was gonna he was gonna pitch. I mean, seventy plus pitchers or something. Give it to me. I don't I don't even care how good he is. Right. And uh, I mean, he did okay, but I mean, for for uh, for four K, eleven points on this slate was fine because look, Wheeler got eleven. Right. How many how many pitchers did all that well? We could look down the line. I mean, Justin Holloway, like he was barely owning. He got twenty points. Alex Wood, Garcia, Ryu, were like the only pitchers over twenty points, other than Holloway, which was barely owned. So getting eleven points for 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 four K seems fine with me. So I played a bunch of them. Then Corbin, not his owned. Manaya, really nothing. He was overpriced. Alec Mills, other than Cheese. Cheese played some Alec Mills. For the most part, no one did. Same for Castellanos was the other, like, short reliever. But he was only going to pitch maybe three innings. So I'm not going to play him. So I see this. So, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm on the level, right? Paddock was owned. So I don't see anything out of whack other than Kikuchi. Kikuchi didn't project well in comparison to the Yankees. For him to be 16%, I thought maybe he'd be 6%. But see, this makes it better for my Yankees. I would have played more Yankees. I would have had more Yankees lineups had I knew, known that uh, Kikuchi was going to be 16 rather than 6%. Looking here, let's look at the look bats. Bat-wise, get rid of the pitchers. Right? Now the, now, the Blue Jays were chalky. The Blue Jays were the best projected team by far okay so it's not like no one had the no i'm gonna fade the blue jays completely no but 32 percent on vlad guerrero i mean no no one's over that right springer had 27 percent on zero but i still have plenty right i still had i still had blue jays right pretty much it was the blue jays one two three four yeah i mean look look the blue jays were de facto super chalk these i mean look look one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Out of the top ten owned players, only two were not Blue Jays. It was the underpriced JT Real Muto, and then you pay up at shortstop for Fernando Tatis and get nothing. <laughs> and get nothing for him. I had a bunch of Padres. Yes, yesterday, uh, my most exposed, my mo- my highest amount of lines. I played one fifteen for the swing for the fences, uh, and I, I made money. I made money yesterday, right? Barely, but I still I made money. Because my national, my Nationals Blue Jays lineups, uh, but I had primarily Dodgers, which looked good in the beginning, right? The Dodgers were the number one. Uh, Colorado, mm, that they didn't really get there, uh, and who else? In San Diego, yeah, pretty much. San Diego, I'm taking a look. Yeah, San Diego, and they and they obviously didn't get there. But it, didn't, but it doesn't mean I don't play any Blue Jays, right? But I mean, I had, I had, I, I mean, I'm playing 150 lineups. I, had, I had like one of every team. I like, like the Marlins yesterday, right? The Marlins at Garrett Cooper. Like, did I, I, I think I had one lineup with Garrett Cooper. Yeah, one lineup with Garrett Cooper, right? I had some, like, I had what, one or two lineups with like a Marlins stack. Maybe one lineup, maybe not even two. The Nationals line, I had more Nationals. Then I had Marlins. I'd, 
I didn't work. No, I actually went under on Baltimore. We can see here with Austin Hayes, like Baltimore was 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 a pivot. I mean, you can see here with my Dodgers, right? I had seventeen percent bets. Not that is not as many sharper players going with the Dodgers yesterday because they were expensive. The thing with the Dodgers is that they were they were similarly priced to the Blue Jays, and projected for much worse. But they didn't project badly. But I thought I would get the discount. I mean, we take a look like bets at fifty two hundred at ten percent. Eh, could have been lower. But if we take a look at uh, at uh, like like someone like Pollock, like four percent. It's not like I had much of them, but I mean, I had them in the, the, my Dodgers stacks. Go through here. And typically, this is where we see all the ownership, right? It's for sharper players around this five, six, seven percent range, right? Colorado. So you see, I had a plenty of Garrett Hampson, right? People had Baltimore, San Diego. Here's Washington. Look, across the board, the Yankees, look, Aaron Judge was six percent owned. Soto was about 6% owned. We're not, we're talking about real good players. Are you scared about Yaziel Kikuchi against Judge or Chris Paddock against Juan Soto? These aren't bad players, but look how low owned they are in comparison. 23 points, 29 points. But you see across, across the board, for the most part, so a lot of these sharper players over on the Nationals, over on the Yankees. Ryan McMahon. Here is Ryan McMahon. Colorado Rockies. Blackman. Here. See green here. Here's another green strip. Castro. Because he was like dirt cheap on DraftKings in the Washington, the national stacks. Seattle. Tom Murphy. See, look. See some green here. The Gary Cooper, maybe not so much, right? Other than, other than who? Other than cheese. Cheese had a little bit more than the rest of everyone. Aguiar, right? Not the Marlins were really on the we're really on we're, weren't really on the table. See here, uh, Josh Bell, right? Here, like one percent, one point eight percent owned Josh Bell for the Nationals. Even like Dylan Carlson, one percent, right? I mean, that's even green across the board. Labor Torres, one point five percent. Josh Harrison was one percent as part of the national stacks. And then you go down all the way down here, you get no one, right? People that didn't even start, right? Take a look. Winning lineup was what? One, two, three. It was a three, three. Okay, it was kind of messy. A three, three, one, one. No, DeCult's had a good lineup. I saw him in first place. What didn't yeah, I thought he won first? He had a five man Washington stack. So that, that makes sense. Even with Wheeler. Judge, McCutcheon, Pichette, all good one-offs. There you go. Cage 12, Washington five-man, Teoscar, Mookie, Garrett Cooper. Wheeler Wood, right. Wheeler, that, this is what's stopping a lot of these lineups. Like you, put, you put Garcia here, you put, you put a Ryu there, and then, 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 then they win. Still got Refresh. Right, here's a Wheeler-Wood lineup, right. I mean, the chalk pitching combination. And then a Miami stack. Okay, you could, see, you could do that, right? You're going to play, and then play a chalky Bobichette one-off. This lineup makes sense for this. For a 49,000-person contest, here's a Miami stack lineup. That's that's fine. 
Would I have played many of these lineups? No, but I can't fault you for playing Miami Stack, and then you play Betts and Turner and Bichette and the two best projected pitchers. Okay. You win if Miami goes off. Okay, and they'll go off you know, 1% of the time, 2% of the time. Okay, okay. Let's see Neil's best lineup. Washington stack. But look, the Washington stack projected better, and they were almost dead. They were lower owned, I think, than the Marlins. So you go. Washington, five-man, three-man Toronto, because why do you need – like, this is a perfect example of, look, it's a, it's, he's playing Toronto. He's like a four-man – it's a 4-4 four, four lineup. Right? One, two, three, four. He's playing the chalk pitching combination. Wheeler Wood and four Blue Jays. A 15% on Jansen, a 22% on Bichette, a 17% on Biggio, and an 18% on Teoscar Hernandez, and a 55% and 35% owned pitcher. You go, oh, that's a lot of chalk. Yeah, but when you're playing Bell Harrison, Bell is 1%, Harrison's 1%, Robles is 1%, and Soto is 5%. There is where you're let. There, there, that's it. You're done. You're good. The Nationals go off and the chalk and the rest of the chalk hits. You win. There you go. You're done. This is a leverage lineup, right? You could play to any with the Nationals. You could play to anyone. Just by just jamming the best lineup. All right. What, what was my best? My best lineup yesterday. It was up to 55th. Yeah, I got 200 bucks or whatever. Right. I had a similar type of lineup, right? Garcia and Woods, so I had a better pitching combination. Right. I had Gomez, Harrison, Turner, Soto, Robles. And then I have Fam one off, McMahon one off, Vlad one off. What's wrong with this? This is actually a little less owned. Right. I mean, well, Vlad's 32% kind of bumps everything up. Right. And then 15% Garcia instead of 55% Wheeler. So there you go. What's wrong with that? Right? Here's the, my 90th place lineup. Wheeler Garcia. Washington stack with Escobar. So this is Gomez, Escobar, Castro, Soto Robles with three Toronto, with, with three Toronto guys. Right? Vlad, Fichette, and Teoscar. Because if you're already playing like low digit, you know, Washington stack, then why can't you do this? Of course you can. That's the point. You don't have to make a Washington stack and then also stay Washington, Miami. Like that, I mean, that would have been that probably that would have been the best stack. And then you don't play Wheeler in that lineup. But now, now you did if you if you projected that out beforehand, it would come in very low projected. Come in low owned, but is it worth that big of a projection drop? So maybe those lineups were the Miami Washington lineups probably may not have been plus EV. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you have to sim that out and see. So it's not a matter of do you play chalk or do you not play chalk? It's how do you build lineups? If you're playing, if you're playing a, a one to two percent on stack, feel free to play the chalk around it. But if you're playing <coughs> if you're playing 10% on guys in this context, let's say you, you were playing, for instance, the chalk pitching combination and the the Diamondbacks, because they were fairly popular, right? Rojas is here at 13%. Hayes, uh, Peralta at about 11%. Escobar at 10%. Like if you played the Wheeler, Wood, Diamondbacks, Blue Jays, maybe for single entry, maybe for a small field contest, that would be fine. 
I think that, I think that would be a little too high ownership for a large field to be plus EV. Doesn't mean it's a bad lineup, just not as 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 high as win equity as other lineups could be. So if you were playing the Diamondbacks, it's less likely you'd play the Blue Jays in it. And if you did play the Blue Jays in it, you would play really two. You would play two low owned pitchers. Try to try to get your leverage that way. That's the whole thing. So which one do you do? So many people that, that so many people get stuck in that. Well, okay. Well, uh, you could play the Nationals with this, or you could play the Marlins with that, or you could play the biz pitchers with this, and then you could play that pitcher with this, and then you can play this stack with that, and they're all like, oh, these are all good. So which ones do you play? Well, pick whichever ones you want. Are there more lineups? Were there more plus EV lineups yesterday with Blue Jays in it? Yes. Was it a five-man Blue Jays stack? Not necessarily. But the Blue Jays projected the best. So if you were playing low-owned stuff in a majority of your lineup, filling it out with Blue Jays was probably the, the best. So there's more combinations we ran out, if we ran out all the lineup combinations that are possible and, and looked at if there was a million lineups, I mean, there's way more than that. The largest percentage would include Blue Jays. In it. So at least one Blue Jay, right? At least one Blue Jay. In it. Then you go down the line. You go, maybe the, ne- the next one is Diamondbacks. Maybe the next one is Phillies. Maybe the next one is San Diego. The Marlins, the Cubs against Wheeler probably have the lo- one of the lowest amount of, you know, plus EV lineups that contain Cubs in it or Marlins in it or, or in that, or the Brewers in a seven inning game who hit three home runs or the Mets. Doesn't mean there's zero. It just means there's less. And they're all of, of varying degrees. So you have all these types of lineups, all different, these different combinations. And now in this contest, there's there's uh, 49,000 entries or whatever in this contest. And people are choosing 49,000 of them. You have to have what your goal is to have a, a lineup that is higher EV than most of the other, than more of the field has. And obviously the weaker the players, the weaker the users in the contest, the weaker lineups typically get made. So your goal is to have higher EV lineups than, than everyone else. If, if possible, everyone else. And then whatever happens, happens. You can't control that. So it's quite possible, and I say I say this all the time, that you could you could run, you could sim out, you could simulate a contest with like all the different lineup combinations, like all the possible different com- combinations. You probably have to curtail it because it'll take take you too long to simulate that. Uh, and it's quite possible that within within a range of like a, a very mar- a point, very small margin, there's like 10,000 lineups that are about the same. Like within a, within a point of each other, are about the same. Yeah, they're slight, one slightly better, slightly better, but you don't realize that that EV over the course, you have to spend three lifetimes to realize that EV of the, the small percentage. Maybe there's 5,000 lineups. There could be 5,000 lineups that are very close to each other, just really close. And all those 5,000 lineups could be different types of, out of those 5,000, they could be, they could be 500 Blue Jay stacks. They could be, they could be 400 Diamondback stacks. They could be six lineups in there that are Marlin stacks. 
they're close. Right? So you have all these 5,000 lineups that are close to each other. You're like, okay, well, I'm playing 150 here. Well, which 150 do you play? I mean, what, does it matter at that point? At that point, it's just a matter of diversification. I mean, the, the, how much risk tolerance do you want to take? You could take 150 Blue Jay stacks. You could. Those Blue Jays lineups most likely look like five-man Blue Jay stack, fading Wheeler or fading some chalk pitcher, <clears throat> and then playing some, some two, 3%, one to 3% one-offs, right? Because you need to find the leverage there somewhere. And if you wanted to play 150 of those, you, you could. If you played 150 of those and you ran it out for a million times, you'd make X amount of money. Let's say you instead of that, you played 150 of something else and didn't play, you played lineups that had zero Blue Jays in it. Like not out of those 5,000, you played zero, none, no, no Blue Jays whatsoever. And then you ran it out a million times. You'd get, and you'd end up with about the same amount of money, right? One lineup set of 150, you literally have Blue Jays in every lineup. Blue Jays stacks, you probably don't have that much Wheeler, right? You probably don't have uh, that much JT Romuto in those lineups, right? Then you have then you have ones that have no Blue Jays in it, no Blue Jays whatsoever, right? You probably have Wheeler in the, a ton of those lineups, Wood in a ton of those lineups, right? Because you're getting all the leverage by not playing any Blue Jay. And you're playing 500, you're playing 150 of those. And But if you run it out mathematically, you may end up with the same amount of money. Just, who knows what day you win, what trial you run, a million trials. Who knows what trial day you win? And I don't know who knows. Who knows what's going to happen today? I don't. <clears throat> but mathematically, those lineups would be close to equal or close enough. They're probably not equal, equal, but marginal. That's the play whoever you want thing of, once you design lineups that are higher, that are properly projected and leveraged for the contest that you're in, you can probably find hundreds of them. You can probably find hundreds that are in that range. Thousands, depending on the size of the slate. You're like, well, which one should I play? What's going to happen today? I don't know what's going to happen today. All I know is that in this range, these types of lineups with this projection and this ownership together show a positive expected value in this contest that I'm playing. Okay, now I, I can find more of the Now I'm hoping that my opponents, the rest of the field are building lineups that are worse than that. Either that project higher than my lineups but are also gonna be way too owned. So they retain more min cash equity but have less chance of winning like first place outright or hope or even better lineups that are project worse and are extremely low owned that like they're negative EV because they don't cash nearly at all. And they don't, they don't even win first place often enough. Right. So it's like, they're super duper. Like they're, they're 30 points under, under projection. They're really low owned. So yeah, you get the, you get the proportional ownership, but they still don't, you'd run it out a million times. You end up losing money. Even though you win, you win a bunch of times, but it doesn't make up for all the times that you come in dead last, right? That type of thing. That's what you have to get in your head. That, that's, that's the concept you have to get in your head. So once you, once you find, oh, this, this, this lineup makes sense, right? With the projection and the ownership, like any lineup like, any lineup like that makes sense. Any lineup with those two numbers, to put it bluntly. We were just using ownership sum and projection median, median total. 
not saying that's the best way to do it, but that's a way of doing it. That'll give you directionally accurate. So if you find that like, okay, I believe if I have a 120 projection and a 150 ownership or whatever, like that's the, that's the perfect area for the contest that I'm in. Well, then if you find anything that's, that's like that, that's correlated, right? You can play any of those lineups, right? They would mathematically be close to each other. And lineups that are 120 projected and 150 owned or whatever, whatever the X and the Y is, some could be blue. Some could have been Blue Jays stacks. Some, some, some could add no Blue Jays. Some could add Baltimore. Some, you, could probably, you could probably find a five-man stack of every team. Even the Cubs. It's possible. Probably not. Of course, but it means that that five-man stack has to be supplanted in order to get the projection up, probably ends up having, you know, Blue Jays, Wheeler, you know, that, in, that type of lineup. And then you ask, well, which, what type of, then which, what should I play? Oh, you're telling me, so you're telling me there's, there's, there's a thousand lineups that are about equal to each other that I, that I could play, and they all look different. They all, they all have different combinations. And I, I, I'm playing the 20 max, or I'm just playing 20 lineups. Well, which 20 should I play? Whichever 20 you want. I know it, sound, it sounds stupid, but mathematically that would be accurate. Whichever 20 you want, it wouldn't matter. Your goal is to is to play good lineups and hope and, and play in fields that pl- people are playing worse lineups. Now, the higher you go, the sharper the fields are, then the, your, the strength of lineup you need needs to be higher. So maybe those 20 lineups that you play, maybe in the large field are actually really, you know, top 10% type of lineups from an expected value standpoint. But in a small field contest, you know, in a, sharper contest, higher stakes. Obviously you need to build them differently. So you don't need as much leverage. Those lineups may be run of the mill. They may be, they actually may be below average. So you wouldn't, so you're gonna be battling with people that, that can build these lineups m- much easier. That's why contest selection to me is, is more important than anything. I just wanna play against the worst people. Typically the large field contests have the worst people. They also have the best people. There are also tons of worse people. Going through the YouTube chat. Going through. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel's talking about, yeah, yesterday. Yesterday, yes. What's with all the scratches yesterday? Uh, It took me half an hour to do that. Twice. Right, because they had lineups that didn't come out. And then he had scratches, right? So like, what was the first thing? I had to, I, the Tyler O'Neill. So now I have to go in and I have to find, now I'm trying to find, and I still want to keep my, my stacks in check. So it's like, okay, Tyler O'Neill, I could switch to Dylan Carlson, right? That's only a $200 difference. But what happens if the lineup already has Dylan Carlson in it? Okay, now Harrison Bader. What if it has him, right? But he's also a $1,000 difference. I, I can upgrade a pitcher, right? I did it manually. Right, because I didn't have as many lineups. I mean, the 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 Padres one was the pain in the ass when Cronenworth wasn't in the lineup. And I had to go in, so that I did. A, I just did it manually. Like, I didn't feel like rebuilding or anything like that. It's going to screw everything up. So I just went through. I just scrolled through on my phone and just 
Cronenworth. Okay, take him out because Hosmer was in. I just flipped some stuff. Put Kim in, upgraded pitcher or whatever. So I was all good with that. Once that happened, then then D- D- Domingo German doesn't, you know, up. They ended, up, they ended up pitching later in the game. What's up with that? So I had to swap out all that. But that at that point, the 805 game's already started. So it's like, can I get up to Wood or Paddock? Or then I have to play Senzatella. And I go down and then I, where can I spend the $1,000 if I need? And sometimes I just left it. I just left it. Let's see. Hey, Jordan, can you review your single entry from yesterday morning? Well, yesterday, well, yesterday morning, on yesterday's show, I played uh, the Pirates-Reds 5-3. And, the, and, and it was built upon the fact that the, that it wins. It has, a good chance, it has a good chance of winning when the Braves fail. Well, the Braves put up 14 runs. Oh, well. Acuna, was, Acuna in the single, in the 121 yesterday, can I even bring this up? Was 63% owned. Where is this? Do we have yesterday's single entry? Let's see. Yeah, we should. Contest. The 121. Yeah, because that's the contest I played. Right? Take a look at ownership here. Right, Acuna, Acuna was 63% owned. Freeman was 48% owned. RC Dansby Swanson was 40% owned. Okay. Riley was 30% owned. Obviously they got there. But the whole point of what I was playing was to fade the fade the chalkiest stack. But the, and then when they get there, what am I supposed to do? I lose. Right? So what's there to review? I'll play that way every single time. You you show me a, a five-game slate where one team is like more than half the lineups have them. If they fail, I could win, but they didn't fail. It's not complicated. That's, there you go. There's the review. <laughs> right, Joey Gallo was 20% down and had two home runs, which is fine. But like Wink-Eyed, Winker, Votto, Naquin, like they were owned, right? But the Pirates weren't as owned, right? I, most of my ownership was right. Kevin Newman, 9%. Frazier, 5%. Right, my stack was bare. Like if the if the pi if the Braves failed and the Pirates put up, you know, five or six runs, I could have won this. And that didn't happen, but that's what I'm playing for. I'm like, feel free to run this out a hundred thousand times and let's see if if uh, a team on a five-game slate that is like 12 times more owned than any other team is a winning stack. Just do it. It's it's not it's not gonna work out that way. So great, Acuna at th- 63% on gets 26 points and I don't have it. Well, then I lose. I move on to the next day. There you go. But I'm but I'm I'm pretty sure that my lineups were way higher EV than any Brave stacks. At these ownerships, I mean, this is ridiculous. Acuna, Freeman, Swanson, right? I mean, Albies didn't really get there, but did he need to get there? Right, just a chalk hit. There you go, chalk hit. 
But if you could take a look here, like uh, obviously, you know, everyone has one entry. I don't really recognize many of these names up top over here. I know Felix. There's Big P. If we take a look, if we take a look at the back to slate, let's instead of the single entry contest, let's look at the large field. It's still a small field. Oh, Hogwarts! Did you win? Did you win yesterday? Did you win the relay throw yesterday for twenty five thousand? So I had had three chalk Atlanta pieces, but had the White Sox, had low owned Engel, Gibson Waka, right? Like I had, had a zero, a catcher, which you didn't need. Lurie, ah, there you go. Lurie Garcia. They had that. That's right. He had a double, triple. He was killing. He was killing it. Right. So there you go. Like how much, how much leverage do you need? So he went the other way. Played Acuna, Riley, and Freeman, but then got different elsewhere, which is fine. I went the, I went the other way. Don't play, don't play the Braves, right? And just do something else. Right here's Felix. Right here's a here's a Pittsburgh. Here here's is a Pittsburgh stack. Stallings, Nagowski, Hayes, Reynolds. Right, but had Acuna in there. Right, I mean, but had Acuna and Swanson. Right, you still you still needed Atlanta. These lineups are fine. I just choose I just chose to just completely fade Atlanta. To say if the Braves fail, I can win. It's so much ownership out on the Braves. I don't see anything wrong with that. And it didn't work. The chalk hit. Move on to the next day. DFS, DFS stays here. You're not playing for one day. It's one long game. Like I, 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 I say a million times, I lose 90% of the time. 90% of days I lose money. 90%. And at the end of everything, at the end of the year, I'm wildly profitable. You don't have to. You, your goal isn't to win days. Your goal is to win money. Let's take a look in the suit. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 Chris Galligan says, I feel like chalk stacks have gotten there way more times than not this season. Not necessarily. And there's no way to print. There's no way to, there's no such, one slate has nothing to do with the next slate. So don't even think in those terms. Oh, the chalk's been hitting, so I'm going to play the chalk. Well, the chalk doesn't know it's the chalk. The baseball players don't know anything. That doesn't mean anything. And also, it's also confirmation bias, especially if you're someone that plays contrarian. Right, if you play more contrarian than most, you'll notice the times where the chalk just just oh, crunch by ownership type of thing. Right? Oh, everyone just played the high owned stuff and they all got there. You remember those things, but there are plenty plenty of times when it doesn't happen, or when 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 the chalk gets there or gets value enough, but some other team still puts up more points and you still need them. Do 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 do. Going through, I gotta scroll back up, scroll back up. Do 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 do. Uh. 
Frederick Dude says, uh, 2021 is making Blender's garbage tax philosophy seem obsolete. Well, it's only because of the pricing. Like I, I, I do the up. I, I don't play vomit stacks anymore. The, 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 the pricing is, is, is soft enough, even on DraftKings, where we get some of these 2K, 3K hitters, even on good teams that, <clears throat> like you could have played the Blue Jays, Wheeler Wood Blue Jays yesterday, and without at that much effort. You'd had to had some concessions, but you still could have gotten it in. But it used to be that you could you, you wouldn't be able to. It used to be that in order to get like two 10K pitchers, you had to play. You had to play the Pirates. You had to play the Tigers. Like no one can do that. It's like well, you'd have a slate where it's DeGrom and uh it was like DeGrom's eleven five and Lance Lynn is ten four. And you're like, well, if you play both of them, like there's not you couldn't you you couldn't play anywhere. Like the rest of your team was like, who is this low price that you could even do it? You would have to play garbage teams. You don't have to do that this year anymore. You could play two good pitchers and still still get a lineup that looks that looks fine. Oh, let's see. And Michael Dompia says it's the, yeah, the vomit pitchers are the new vomit. Right? That's the right vomit. I play vomit pitchers more now. And it's not because it's not because I like vomit pitchers. It's just that it seems like uh seems like the pitching has has condensed. Meaning that like the difference between, you know, a, a 10k pitcher and a 6k pitcher may not be all that big anymore. Right? These pitchers get, are getting blown up enough that should they be as high owned as they are. And if you if 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 the best pitcher is only going to get 18 points, like taking 12 from a $5,600 guy, that may be fine, right? I mean, look at Paddock yesterday. You would have been better off playing no one, right? Minus 14. And that guy, it, it couldn't, it, 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 instead of Paddock, it could have been Wood. It could have been any of the pitchers. You wouldn't have been shot, right? Right, Wheeler, it, you, almost, you, don't, you, you almost don't feel shocked by anything, other than maybe the Grump. I think he's the only pitcher that if he went out and gave up nine runs, you'd be like, well, that something's that that's that's shocking. But even Garrett Cole, if Garrett Cole came out and gave up four home runs, you'd be like, mm, okay. Right? You're not shocked. Uh do do do. Brian C asked, what does Max Gap mean? Just made a baseball lineup and it says max gap three. That that, that means in, in uh lineup HQ, the total gaps between the batting orders of the players. That's what the gap means. So if you're playing one, two, three, four, let's say you're playing a five-man stack and it's one, two, three, four, five. The that the gap is zero. There's no gap. Let's say you're playing one, two, three, four, six. That's a gap of one. One, two, three, four, seven. That's a gap of two. Right? How about one, two, four, five, seven? That's a gap of two, two, right? One, two, skip three, four, five, skip six to get to seven. Those are the five batters. So that would be a gap of two for people that care about gaps. I don't care about gaps. So it doesn't matter to me. But yes, when you build lineups now on, on, Line of HQ, you could you could see you could see the max gap in the lineups. Like if I build, if I just click, I don't even know what I'm building. 
Am I even building stacks? Max cap zero. Yeah, because it's max cap zero. Here we go. Right? One, three, two, four. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Right. Max cap one. Right? Max cap one. One. Right? No, two, three, four, six. Right? And then if you want to sort by max, like if max three plus stack gap. Right? For whatever reason, if you want to find lineups where the gap was way too big. We give you the option to do so. This is a temporary thing they're going to be working on. I th- probably maybe not for this season, but the ability to use like a gap rule in in the in the build rules. So you could say that I don't want any lineup that has a gap more than two, more than three. So you'd never get big gaps in your batting orders. Should you be doing that? questionable but some people want that they want to be able to do that me i don't i don't worry so much about it if at, if at all that that's what the max gap would be and yes frederick dude let allow hq includes wraparounds when mentioning gaps so if you're playing nine one if you're playing nine one two three that's still a max gap of zero so yes it will it will it will count We'll count the wrap of the one to the nine. Obviously, in the National League, the pitcher automatically creates a gap there. So if you're playing eight, one, two, even though you can't roster the pitcher as a batter, it still counts it as a gap. So if, if, you, if, you, want, if you want to use it, if you want to sort by it, if you want to be able to peruse your lineups and see what the gap is, if you have any lineups that have more than three gaps or something, you, we give you the option to. Mathematically, does it matter? Not that much. It matters a little. It, matter, it matters a, a little, but not as much as people, not, not nearly as much as people think. Me, I'd rather just have five. If I'm playing a five-man stack, just give me five guys from the team. The correlation of the players on the team, regardless of the batting order, is higher than the differences of one spot in the batting order. Then obviously, the plate appearance expectation is already built into the projection. So the players at the bottom of the order are going to project lower because they're less likely to get an extra at bat. So it's already built into the projection that you're less that you're less likely to get lower order hitters anyway because obviously they you know the top the top order guy has a maybe has a plate expectation of plate appearance expectation of on a certain four point six second hitter four point four third hitter four point two fourth hitter four then three point eight. And three points, right? So it's like, even though the eighth hitter may be a pretty good hitter, like the eighth and ninth hitter may actually have one at bat less in expectation than the top hitter. And obviously in baseball, you can only score points if you're at bat. So you need the opportunities. Hence why the guys at the top of the order, higher in the order, tend to be higher projected. So there you go. So it's already accounted for in the projections. It's not like the type of thing that I need to worry as much. I'm most likely going to get batters that are closer together towards the top anyway, in general. But do I care? I just care about, I want five batters from one team, right? If I'm playing five, three, give me five batters from one team, three batters from the other team. I don't care where they hit. As long as the salaries and the projections work out, that's good enough for me. That's all I need. I'm not looking to predict which guys on the team are going to do, which is that I, Yes, I th- based on based on what I see, this team has a 22% chance of getting 
you know, X amount of runs. I want, give me the team. I'll make different lineups with different, different players in the teams. Okay. Then there you go. Oh, let's see. Right. Chris Schumacher says, not sure that closing gaps, stack gaps gives you a huge edge. Right. It's, 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 it's so small. It's, it's more important than you, that you have players from the teams. I'd rather have my projection higher. If you, if I'm going to build a five, let's say a five, three line, right. The most condemned, the most locked type of line, not five, one, one, one. If I'm going to build a five, three lineup, I like, I'm not, Oh, well the, the bad, based on this batting, I'd rather have the bat, the gaps closed or projection higher. I'd rather have an extra point in projection. The difference between the bat, look at yesterday, look at yet, look at the Blue Jays. Blue Jays put up a ton of runs, George Springer, bat zero, right? You would have been much better off. Not, and he's right in the middle. He's the fourth guy in the order, right? Bichette's fine. Vlad's fine. Springer, eh, he's dead. Teoscar's fine. Grichik's fine. BGO's fine, right? It's not like people act as if, oh, if this guy does well, that guy has to do it. No, not necessarily. It's better off that you just prioritize just taking four or five guys from a team. I'm not worrying about the, the gaps. Stop worrying about the gaps. But some people do. That's why we have it in the lineup HQ. Uh, Ricardo Ray, what do you think about DFS moving to team pitching? Oh, really? You want the bullpens too? <laughs> you want the bullpens as well? So you just roster the team. So you just like, I don't want to roster Matt Harvey. I want to roster the Orioles and the entire bullpen. You want to put yourself through that? Where you, where you have to sweat the whole thing, right? All the way to the ninth inning? That would be interesting. But I think most people want, they want starting, you know, the starting pitcher. I think it's, it's at, at a tradition, I guess. Oh. So anything else? Anything else before before I go? Remember, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be gone for a week, people. I get the I get to, I don't have to see you anymore, right? What a vacation! I don't have to worry about the same questions over and over again, right? But if you got if you got any, let me know. Let me know right now. Click the thumbs up button. Give me some thummy thumbs. Give me some subscribe. 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 Notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders Live. Grinders Live coming up uh, later today. We got a we got a best ball show. Eric Bimefor doing a live best ball draft. So he's doing best ball stuff. So that's coming up. There's some lineup page. If you're a premium member, lineup HQ roundtable for the, the NBA showdown, the finals. I think Chops doing that or something. I don't know. I don't. I, why? I don't even look at the schedule before I before I come on here. I'm gonna be. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot. I'm gonna be on Grinders Live tonight. Right. I don't I didn't even tell you that. I'm gonna be on Grinders Live with Dean tonight, I believe. I think I'm on the schedule. I think I think it's me. Right. So I'll I'll be back later today on this channel. Uh so there's, there's stuff going on. If you want to be a Roto Grinders premium member, you could talk to me in the, in the the premium Discord if you want. I'm in the back chat mostly. Uh sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month. Let's see. Any thoughts on the early slate? I have no idea. I, I, I don't even know who's playing on the early slate. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about vacation. It's not much of a vacation. It's, it's more of my wife's vacation. 
We're going, we rented we rented a house on the lake or whatever. We're going to we're going to West Tennessee. We're going to the Kentucky Lake area, whatever, whatever's there, whatever. It's a big house. It's on the lake with a little platform down, and you can rent a boat, right? I'm I'm a city person, right? My wife my wife's a rural person, so my my wife my wife oh we go out and we go camping and you know that that type of stuff. We go out in the middle of nowhere and jump in a lake like that's what she likes doing. Me, like like let's go to Las Vegas, right? The most artificial city there possibly is, right? <laughs> right? Just completely artificial. Like there's there's nothing there's nothing natural about Las Vegas whatsoever. Like I'm on that side. I don't mind that. Just as long as as long as I, I this house it's like does it have Wi-Fi? Yes. Okay. Does it have air conditioning? Yes. Okay. Then I'm good. Right. That's all. That's all I need. Right. Go down there. They go in the, They ever her family. They all. They'll go all in the lake and I'll I'll, I'll probably watch UFC tomorrow on on Saturday night. The McGregor Poirier, whatever. Am I going to build lineups? Probably not. But I'll watch it. Or maybe I'll build like a, a high stakes lineup or something. Matthew McManus, do you have any of other books besides yours that suggest that you will help with DFS? Uh, recently, I would say uh, Nassim Taleb's, like Anti Fragile. Uh, I mean, all of it. I mean, all, all uh, whatever. Fooled by Randomness. Like he has four books. He has like a four book series, like Black Swan. Fooled by ran like fooled by randomness is is a, is a good start. I mean, they're not about DFS, but it's about you know just thinking probabilistically. And I'm not I'm not a, the hugest a fan of of Talib's writing style, but uh, I mean they're good books. They're good that uh, kind of how you should be thinking in terms. So if you want to if you pick up his book set on on Amazon and read that. That, that's the most recent. I mean, this is over the past what ten or fifteen years type of type of books. I think if you're more in that mindset, you'd be more you'd be more likely to play DFS well. All right, Jonathan Bales for for smart people books. I mean that a lot of that stuff is dated. I mean it's good, but it, it's a lot of beginner stuff and not as much game theory because it's from like 2013 and 2014. Like back then, I mean that's what I read back. Right when I started in 2015, it's like okay, I'll read Bales and stuff. But a lot of the, you know, three quarters of the book is it was it was written for a very beginner's audience, which is good. Which is the it's the best books for a beginner's audience, beginner's type type of, and with some game theory elements in it. But it's I wouldn't consider it intermediate or advanced in any way. I would consider my course to be intermediate to advanced. But the Talib books, like if you just, all you have to do is think in terms of it, it's it's weird to say because it just has to come so naturally in me. I played poker for so long, and just obviously you think of everything, everything probabilistically. Any football books I'd recommend? No, football, or just about football in general. I have no idea. Brian C, do you or your wife talk DFS? No. Other than like, oh, I'm building my lineups now. I'll close the door, right? You know, that type of thing. Or, oh, I won 25,000, you know, like that type of thing. But not like to talk DFS. Yeah, I played this lineup and he was 18% owned and he had a 3% and I don't, I, no, no. Eh, eh, eh. My wife doesn't care about that shit. 
basically it's how much money did you win and can I spend it? That, that's, that's, that's essentially the conversation, right? Did you win a lot of money? Can I spend some of it? That's how, that's how it happens. That's fine. Okay, but if you want to get if you want to get my course, right? Get it as a get it as a whatever as a present. I don't know, July Fourth present. It's funny. The area daily fantasy sports fifteen hour audio masterclass applies to any sport. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, rich management, exploits, psychology. Fifteen hours of audio. These aren't concepts that I made up though, right? I'm just a communicator. It's like I didn't, I didn't make up game theory. I'm just explaining it to you. So if you want 15 hours in your pocket, this, this will be relevant five years from now. So, I mean, you could, you could what you do is you, you listen to it once, like you're going to a seminar, and then you play some, right? So you listen, like you buy it today, you listen to it, and then you play like MLB tomorrow. And then you put it down. Then, then you, a week before NFL season, you, you listen, go through the whole thing again. You go, oh, okay, maybe I'm not doing enough of that. Maybe I should be doing more of this, right? NBA comes around. Okay, let me, let me listen to it again. Because that's how I learned. That's how I learned how to play poker. I read books. I, I, I bought every book possible, all the, all the good ones. I would play and then read and play and then read. And I would reread the same books, like the two plus two books. I would just read them over again. So maybe in these games, I'm not doing enough of this. And maybe I'm doing, uh, now I understand, since I've been playing, now I, I understand this concept better. And that's, you play and read, you play and read, you play and read, you iterate. You don't just read something and just automatically get good. You have to learn how to put it into practice. A lot of times that's the hard part. Like, ah, I can intellectualize this, but when I'm at the table and I have to weigh all these variables, like, how do you, how do you do it? How do you do it that quickly? Like, it seems like it's overwhelming. Then two years later, you're like, it almost, it's almost instinctual. Like you don't even, th- you're not even, the stuff you were thinking and doing in your head, well, he could have this, and then it, he did this, and then the percentage of that, and then if I do, and then, and then it, 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 it takes you three minutes to make any decision, and you feel overwhelmed. And, the, and you're studying every hand. So you, now you're watching, even when you're not in a hand, you're like, did he do that? Did he do, did he do, did he do, did he do, did and then two or three years later, you like you, you could just you could just lean back and just watch, it just everything just gets absorbed. It's almost like you're not you're not even trying anymore. It almost feels like how how, how come it, it's like instinctual. It almost comes like that. And then you start playing extremely well. And then three years later, that it's now you're doing even more advanced concepts. Now you're finding even more exploits on people, and all the stuff that it took you like okay, well with this divided by that and apply, like that's that's that's. It's like t- multiplication tables when you're a kid. Like you don't think when you say seven times six is 42, like you don't think about that, right? You've done the times tables when you were like six years old or whatever enough that, you know, eight times eight, 64. You don't have to think about it. That, that, that's what it should come. That's what it should come to. That's, that's how I designed this, this type of course, like the two plus two books. That's not like here, here's, here's what you do. And that's it. Bye-bye. Take care, but delete it. Like, no, you should, you should, you should be able to listen to part chapters over again. Listen to parts of it over again and then play. And then you'll see, and you may not understand something. And then you just play and you go, oh, okay, now I get it. Or you watch this show, right? This pregame show, or you had to listen to the podcast I do every week, the Theory of DFS podcast, where we talk about stuff. 
And you go, oh, now, now I got it. And once you get it, then you're up to the races. Right? And then it's, then it's easy. You almost think of like, why didn't I think of that this, this before? Right? It becomes almost too simple. Actually, it just it becomes a lot of variance. It just becomes a lot of, okay, just throw a bunch of stuff in and just in the long run, hopefully money comes out at the end. Right? That's, that's what I mean. But that's why people fret over like, oh, what, what, why didn't I play the Marlins yesterday? Well, well you could have. So they just, they just X percent chance and you didn't go there and okay, tomorrow's another day. Keep on building plus EV lineups and the money will come. It's the same thing in poker. Oh, someone got a one-outer. Okay. Does poker end now? Does it end? Are you, you, you lost the pot. You got stacked on, on a, on a, on a, on a two-outer. Does that mean poker ends? Or you want people to call you there and you're glad that, that they're still at the table? Because if they're going to make that big minus EV mistakes, then... You're going to make money. Poker keeps on going. Just like DFS keeps on going. It's always the next slate. You just keep on playing the, keep on playing profitably, making profitable plus EV decisions. Do you know what days the money comes to you? No, you don't. I don't know what's going to happen tonight on tonight's slate. But if I build lineups that stand to win me more money than other lineups, then the probability, then I'm giving them me. Do I know if that's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week or, well, not next week, it's the all-star break. I don't know when I'm going to win first. I don't. I just keep on building, same process, build plus EV lineups. At the end of the year, at the end of whatever, I come out with more money. Sometimes in big spikes, sometimes in a little small spikes, sometimes in a little like this, depending, playing cash games. You're playing profitably, more profitably, more plus EV than your opponents. You're gonna, you're gonna end up. You, you'll have swings where you go like on down. You'll have swings where you, you have heaters, right? Oh, I'm I, for four weeks. I have three first place finishes. That doesn't mean that's sustainable. That just means that over the course of that, you may have the next eight months and never win again, right? And it all evens out. Okay. Let's see. Anything else in the YouTube chat before I get out of here? Okay, doke. So theoryofdfs.com, feel free to pick that up. We got we got we got plenty of content today. Got the NBA thing for premium members. We got the best ball stuff. That 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 should be on YouTube, right? I'll be on Grinders Live later today and then crunch time for premium members. And uh, I think there's still there's still slates Friday and Saturday. There's still sl- I won't be playing them, but uh, there's still slates. So there is a slate tomorrow, but uh, I will not be here. Okay, so I'll repeat again, right? You show up tomorrow. There won't be there won't even be a thumbnail or any show to even show up to. Right? You won't even see see me, right? So don't show don't show up to YouTube channel. Oh, where where is he? Just staring or whatever. I won't be here. And then Monday through Thursday next week I won't be here either. So. When baseball picks back up again on Friday morning, next Friday, I will be back. And I'm going to say this, and I know, I know there are people going to show up tomorrow, right? They're going to do Discord. They're going to be in a Discord chat. Oh, no show today? Did you not listen yesterday? Probably not. Most people don't listen. They don't listen. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to enjoy myself on the lake. I won't be going in the lake. I'll be by the lake, right? So I'll be in, I'll be in West Tennessee, Central Time, Central Time. And I'll see you next Friday. Next Friday, well, I'll be back next Friday. And then after that, it's, we're back to normal, right? Normally here, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.